Ladies and gentlemen, can you believe it? We are here, it's episode number 30, we have made it all the way to episode number 3-0, and we are here for the Wrestling Connection XXX, oh my god, can you believe it? Ladies and gents, welcome, my name is Chris, and I'm joined by my good close personal friend and tag team partner on the show for 30 episodes, is my good close personal friend, Glenn, can you believe we're here at number 30, my friend? It's actually really quite nice to think that the podcast Very is nice. now, now older than older than me. Hey, uh, <laughs> uh, not by much though. Um, you know, it's funny. We started this out at the very beginning of a pandemic, uh, yep. this ongoing saga, and on our first episode, I think you were asking me what did you think of WrestleMania 36 and how much has happened and changed since then? Not just in our lives, but in wrestling and, and everything. It's just, yeah, it's been a real journey. I'm grateful for it. And all I can say is a long may it continue, man. I'm, I'm so grateful to you uh, for, for having the idea. It seems like a, uh, like you know like on the on youtube like on wrestle talk they often talk about you know nine years ago in march mm-hmm. um like I, that's how i feel about you and i sitting in the pub yeah. in march just before that radio show and talking about this idea of having a podcast what did we um i mean we kind of we put it pen to paper really that day because we've been talking about it for ages yeah, um, and we kind of talked about you coming on the other podcast and stuff, and I was always putting it off, and I was like, I don't want it just to be like one episode. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we can't just have one. Like, you know, we, we watch the Rebellion two thousand one on our movie podcast randomly. You know what I mean? It's just never yeah. made sense. So that's why I was looking forward to kind of doing something like this. But were we aware of the situation back in March? Like, did we say there's ways to do it remotely? We can manage this, or did we say, oh, hopefully that we can do it in person? You know? Yeah, I don't no, know I no, we definitely hoped for it in person for a few reasons because it was before there was any announcement of lockdown, but Italy was in lockdown. And so, like, you and I were texting and we were talking and we were saying, like, you know, it's like it feels like everybody's thinking about the same thing. And it was like they were there was hand gel at the pub i'm like oh what novelty is this but That's nobody right. was wearing nobody was wearing masks you know and nobody wore I was, masks until like july I was, still, or something. I was still teaching and it was like masks was still seen as kind of a funny thing you know yeah. like it was before the school shut um and uh and you know as a reflection of a naivety you were quite confident in saying do you know what there'll be no crowd for the next few rows and smackdowns but that just means we're kind of saving it so that we can have wrestlemania as a full crowd yeah. I think that's what they'll do. Maybe they'll be distancing, maybe there'll be masks at WrestleMania, but they'll have WrestleMania at Raymond James Stadium. And we, we were kind of confident with that. And sure enough, that that afternoon we we packed into a busy theater and what was actually I think the last live wrestling event in front of a big audience in the UK. Yeah. To date. About um, two thousand people or something? Yeah, like it was a busy show and uh and there was a lot of COVID gags happening at the show. Yes. And there was a bit probably, of, probably shouldn't have been, but there was I know and there was a bit of anxiety about it in the air and it was i think two or three days later that the prime minister was on yeah. telly announcing the lockdown so i mean it's um it's mental to think how but i like we've we've said this before and i think we've said this on record before but i think being forced into remote recording has helped us keep it consistent absolutely absolutely yeah it's made it for me like the thing you look forward to and i don't i'm not sure if i would have had the same commitment and same drive had this not happened and i and I, i'm confident now that even if society were to re- return to normal tomorrow which it won't but if it did i'm confident that we would still keep it going and i i have this grand f- vision of our future in this podcast where 
you know, there will be some weeks where we can meet up and hang out and like and do stuff together. But I still think most weeks we'll do it like this just because of life, you know. It's it, just easier, it. yeah. And as long as it works and it kind of sounds okay, then I'm all for doing this. And that's another thing that I would, that's made the podcast just be such a shining light through this whole thing. There's been, I mean, at the start there was some you know teething problems, but it's just been such a delight every week just to kind of talk wrestling for an hour doesn't take much to edit and then you put it out there you get all this lovely feedback and stuff and you know we go and walks and listening back to the show and hearing how good it sounds and stuff like that and it's yeah. just been such a a, a a lovely part of such a confusing and frustrating and just a hard year for everybody and um, it's just been a nice sort of corner of uh, joy for us to have and we put it we put ourselves over every week here don't we we just say oh it's so good to hear your voice again but it's true because we're in such a hard time it is nice to have something to always go back to and this has been the constant you know since March for me anyway so mm-hmm. uh, I thank you I'm very grateful for you for always being here uh, apart from episode 25 part-timer and um, <laughs> <laughs> we're here for episode 30 and this is an episode that I've been buzzing for for so long it's so funny I just can't believe we're in 30 episodes it just seems like yesterday that we were sitting talking about potential episode ideas and like we said things like oh let's do a live wrestling event experience episode let's do an episode that we just talk about meeting wrestlers and then that became its own segment every week Let, let's do an episode we talk about our favorite matches let's do an episode we talk about wrestling figures and here we are episode 30 my god and it is a uh, the wrestling figure episode here on the wrestling connection so thanks so much everybody who has downloaded any of the episodes especially this one because it's only going to get bigger and better from here on out but glenn before we get started i have to ask you from friend to friend the most important question of the week how are you Ah, Chris, I, I'm well. I'm glad you're asking. You notice I paused there as if there was a jingle, but we don't do a jingle for this yeah. quite deliberately, you know. Quite deliberately. Um, but, um, <laughs> episodes later and I still can't pronounce words properly. <laughs> you think I'd be good at this by now, 10 years on YouTube and being an actor and stuff. Oh, yeah. God. This guy who's on the stage, you know. Uh, anyway, oh, Christ, I've been on stage since July 2019. July 2019 was the last time I was in front of an audience. That's like uh, when was the last time Bork Lesnar was on telly? No, WrestleMania. WrestleMania, yeah. Uh, enough. Um, so, uh, you listen, mate. You'll you'll find your calling, and then the the you, you know when you're like on Emmerdale or whatever it is, you know what you're doing. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have something uh, have something lined up on the 27th this month. It's actually my first acting job in ages, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be remote, though, so I'm going to be sitting right here <laughs> in front of the Wrestling Connection microphone well, this doing a bit good, of the acting. Man. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you know, what if if the, your face is involved in that, just make sure there's some sort of wrestling connection merch, you know, a T-shirt, maybe a flag. I don't know, just have something visible. I'll just put a post-it note, stick it to my forehead or something. <laughs> uh, you asked me how I am, so I yes. want to talk about what we did. Was it last week or the week before? I can't remember, but I think it was that we introduced it the week before, but we but we did an, an installment of this last week as well. So it's this idea of wrestling with your mental health, and I think you and I both know that anyone who listens to this knows, anyone who has not lived under a rock knows that, you know, at any time in life, mental health is important, but certainly when, you know, we go through what we're going through this this crazy year, it's, it's super important, and um, I kind of like improvised a wrestling analogy last time, and I, I, I am varying degrees linked to um, coping techniques to john cena's five moves of doom with varying success i would say but i gave this one a wee bit more thought for today <laughs> good and um i realized that you know if there's somebody casual listening to this one thing i'll repeat from a week or two ago was that 
you, one mistake that a lot of people make when it comes to seeking support for the mental health is that they feel like they can't do that if they're not like the kind of the, the textbook magazine kind of picture of somebody with mental health problems like the cliche the stereotype somebody who's like severely depressed or severely anxious and there's plenty of people in the world who are sadly in that position but you can have mental health issues on varying degrees and you're still allowed to seek help you can just be going through a phase in your life when you're finding things just a wee bit overwhelming and you can seek mental health uh, support from your GP. And in my experience, that, that that is always there. And you might hear people talk about horror stories about unhelpful doctors or doctors who feel like it's a real thing. But to be honest, folks, I hear these horror stories and I've never lived it. And I just think it's like customer service. You only hear about the complaints and nobody ever shares Absolutely. the good news. You know, it's Absolutely. Like, so don't listen to that stuff. Find out for yourself. But that's what I want to talk about today. I'm talking about uh, the difficulty of seeking help and seeking help and that first step is is very much like one of the best things in wrestling something which will no doubt one day feature in thankful uh what i'm thankful for this week and seeking help is like the hot tag chris <laughs> yes it is. i love the hot tag you know i had a i almost started a whole wrestling podcast back in 2016 called hot tag you know, I feel like you've got a lot of stories that begin with. I started this wrestling channel, this podcast, this Twitter account, you know. <laughs> and I hope I hope in future it can just be I have this wrestling podcast called the Wrestling Connection. No <laughs> No, I used to have this one. So yeah, like so as if anyone who is a wrestling fan listening to this doesn't know. But if you don't know, the hot tag is a routine which is as old as the hills in wrestling. It has existed as long as wrestling has existed. And wrestling has existed as long as people can walk on their back legs has existed, folks. Abraham Lincoln, although he's not quite as old as that, was a wrestler. And he's in a wrestling hall of fame. Learned that on the chase. Absolutely. So there you go. So... Uh, the hot tag. So a tag team wrestling is typically where there's two teams facing, a, you know, two on two, and uh, only two men can be, or women indeed, can be in the ring at the same time, and their partners are on the aprons, and they must be tagged in like in a game of tig with a wee slap of the hand. And of course, in a game of tig. <laughs> tag. <laughs> you're it. That's what they should do. <laughs> tag. You're in. <laughs> Uh, and the hot sorry, tag, you're, you're on a roll. You're on a roll. Sorry. I'm on a roll. The hot tag is this, this classic routine where, like, one uh, usually the good guy uh, or one of the guys on the good side, the villain, the, the hero, sorry, is uh, being beaten down and beaten down, and they desperately need to tag in their partner, and they keep getting close, they keep getting close, but then they get dragged away, and they, it's a struggle, and with every attempt, it gets more hopeless and more hopeless. But then they build up and they build up, and the crowd goes wild, and they're crawling towards the corner to get to the partner and the rock would do this better than anyone just like selling the stone cold stun remember we spoke about that a week or two ago he would crawl and they would crawl and they would jump and they would tag in the opponent and then success in comes their tag team partner and everything is good depending on the finish right yes so my point being is like seeking help is like this and I, I, I've, this has been me a few times in my life and even recently like this has been a difficult year i'm not gonna lie like it's and i've had to safeguard my own mental health and and uh this has been me a couple a few times in my life i would say including quite recently uh, and I, I don't know man it just sometimes it's still difficult to pick up the phone and ring the doctor or speak to somebody it can still Absolutely. be tough um even if you've done it before but see when you do it see when you hit that hot tag honestly like without being making too much of this whole wrestling analogy stuff the buzz you get after that conversation just knowing that there's help coming soon is 
it's like nothing else. You feel proud of yourself. You feel a weight yep. lifted off your shoulder. You feel like, like you feel really cared for as well. And, uh, that's so important. And it, I, you know, it made me think about that recently. It's just like that, that pop when Jeff Hardy would get tagged in, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and the crowd would go wild and it's just this instantly there's all this new energy and that's always been my experience when things have gone too much and I, I know I need some kind of help when I make that phone call and I get a quick conversation with a doctor on the phone don't even need to go in and see them once they map out what what your intervention could be and for whatever your issue is there's there could be various different interventions like just just making that call is such an accomplishment and you feel so much better and the greater the struggle the greater the relief so you may have been beaten down for 20 minutes of the match and you may have to crawl from post to post from corner to corner to one end of the ring to another but if you get to your tag team partner and that tag team partner folks is your doctor and if you tag them in you will feel that buzz you will feel that relief and even though one conversation isn't going to cure your mental health problems you, you never are cured up yep. but bloody hell with listeners like you will be glad you tagged them in because i think um, you, you'll win your match if you do that's a great analogy um i think the thought and the idea of you know you have to phone a doctor um is, is great it's a great one to have and if you have the confidence to do it and and you feel you can do it and that's the best way forward right as you say I also think it's really important that to know that it doesn't need to be a doctor that you phone. You know, if you've got a you know a good pal or a, or a, or a parent or you know a, a partner or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, it works on different levels, doesn't it? Like obviously, like if you're really worried about your mental health, like always go to absolutely. doctor, folks. But you're absolutely right. The power of conversation is you should so do important. the chat. You know, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, and, that, and that's and that sometimes you know you might not think you need a doctor, but it may be talking to a, a friend, yeah. a loved one, a, a sister, a brother, a parent, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. You know, it, that may be what eventually leads you in that direction. But to your point, like conversation in general can be the same idea it's the same principle sometimes just saying to someone i'm a wee bit worried i'm overwhelmed i'm struggling no matter who that is as long as it's someone you know and trust then that can be just as powerful yep beautiful i love i love this segment i think it's one we have to do every single week whether it's for just a couple minutes or for a whole section doesn't matter next one um, i think it's important can um, i ask how I, you are i would like yes please do ask me go on how are you I'm doing all right. Um, no. <laughs> no, um, I'm glad you asked. Actually, I am. I'm doing good. I have had, as we were talking about there, right? I, you know, we talk about being a bit overwhelmed and that sort of thing. I, I just like to make clear here: I, I'm very, 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 very lucky, very fortunate. Right? I do not suffer from any mental health issues. Um, but of course, everybody has their down days. Everybody has off days. It's very, very normal. Um, and I think that's important to know. Like, just because you have not been diagnosed with something, or if you don't have this long history with something, doesn't mean it can't affect you. Absolutely. I am known as like a pico person. I am known as an optimist, very positive person, that sort of thing. But still, I, I I'm also I, by nature quite a lazy person, and it's one of my biggest flaws. It's something that I really want to work on. Um, and 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 you know, lockdown has been a horrendous thing for a lot of people. Um, and I have been pretty good, actually, at staying positive and staying productive and that sort of thing. But it has also really brought out that lazy side of me as well, whether it be, you know, watching wrestling all the time or, you know, I have to edit this podcast, but I don't want to. And I just don't. And it's just an example. But I'm just saying that's just something that can come up every so often. So this past week has been a, a pretty hectic week for me. It's, I've been, you know, yeah. back at work now. I've been doing training. 
for this whole, I mean, we our work has been totally turned upside down because we are, so I work at a university, for those wondering, and, you know, the cases of coronavirus and that sort of thing at universities is far from safe. Um, so, and I, I'm not a student at university, I work there, so it's not as if it's like a necessity for me to be there. So we have come up with this new extravagant way to do our job remotely, <clears throat> much like we did with the podcast, and we're hoping it's going to work, and we did training and that sort of thing, and it's looking as if it's, it's you know, it's, it's a good idea and it's, it's going to be a lot safer than working on a campus where there's loads of cases going about and there's just lots of things going about just now. So I've just had a bit of a hectic week, a bit of a busy week and everything's getting a little bit much. I'm a bit overwhelmed with stuff and, I, and I, that, they, these things happen in, and this happens maybe a couple of times a year for me where I do feel as if everything's getting a bit too much but I am really good at talking to people about it and I'm really good at kind of, I've been recently through lockdown, I've been going walks I think it's yeah. really, really therapeutic. We've been talking about that over the past few weeks as well. Walking, you know, around your local area with no earphones in, you know, I think that's important as well. Taking a break from looking at your phone for so long and just experiencing, you know, the outdoors and taking that, you know, some deep breaths and just experiencing life um, is, is really, really therapeutic. Uh, writing stuff down and, and recording your thoughts and that sort of thing is really important. So from me, who is not someone that suffers from any mental health issues, who is still feeling a bit overwhelmed and a bit much this week, I I have been able to do you know use these outlets to kind of make myself feel better and this podcast as well. Right now, you know, it's great because we're sitting talking about these things. We're going to talk about wrestling for a long time, you know, and it's like a comfort spot. And I can I can find those comfort spots, you know, reading a book or watching wrestling and that sort of thing for me is what my comfort spots are. And you can get through it. So it's it's um it's always something to think about. What what makes you happy? What makes you relaxed? Um, you know, there's no shame in talking about it, getting it off your chest you know taking the sort of weight off your shoulders because uh, i've been having to do that this week and i'm feeling i'm feeling a little bit better so thank you I'm, for asking i'm glad to hear it and, and well said shall we um I, I feel like we should take a toilet break there and then report back and we're not going to do any segments this week we're just going to talk about our history our love and our previous collections of wrestling figures um so unless you want to do segments, but I've not got anything planned. <laughs> nah, me neither, man. I think the wrestling figures, this will, you know, that'll be a long enough chat, I'm sure. So let's let's break for now and uh, we'll be right back, folks. Toilet break. Oh yeah. Okay, welcome back. It's time to talk about the good old fashioned I don't know, they're not good old fashioned at all. I just literally a couple weeks ago talked about buying new ones for the first time in about six years. <laughs> But uh, yes, ladies and gents, it's time. I can't believe we're finally here for the wrestling figure episodes. Um, and I just feel like I should just come out and say it and just say and just ask the question to you. Like, tell me some of your favourite wrestling figures of all time. You want to start from the beginning? You want to talk about the first time you went into a wrestling figure shop? What do you, how do you want to do this? Well, this is the thing. Like, we we have people who listen to this show, and like you know. You know, we we are good friends with Scott McGowan and listeners. If you don't know who that is, he's on Instagram. He's probably like on the wrestling connection social medias. He has a great collection. Yeah, I'm and, going to find uh, his account right now. Uh, his account on Instagram is SM Classic Collects on Instagram. A brilliant page. It's, um, it's a it's a it's a great page to follow. And uh, and you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of like what Kurt Hawkins and uh, yes. well, Brian Myers and uh, Matt Cardona do with their wrestling figure stuff. But the thing is, like what i don't have chris is like the kind of in-depth knowledge of like this series of figures and editions of figures and what right. was one in 100 i don't have that because my wrestling figure story is is that it's, it's, it's stories it's feelings it's memories it's not it's not um 
you know, I had this this figure from this line or this run. I couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell you what my favorite figure is. I can tell you the figures I have and de- had and described them to a T, but what series they came in, uh, yeah. like, like the packaging, like stuff like that, you know, it, 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 what what means more to me is like those experiences of walking to a shop, like like the story I told about Build-A-Bear a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was a yes. week before, like that, it's like that, that's what wrestling figures are to me or the stories surrounding them and the, my habits and my trends. So, Anything I have to contribute this week is like that. I, I honestly couldn't tell you what my favorite wrestling figure is because all I have is my in-depth knowledge of the collection I had. I couldn't well, tell you what was what. For people who didn't listen to last week's episode, can you briefly just don't need to tell the whole story again? But just what was the, what was the nature of that build the bear story? Because it was brilliant. I think a lot of people can oh, relate man. to it. So, folks, there was a toy shop in Buchanan Galleries throughout the uh, noughties, and uh, like from when it opened in '99 to like the the kind of early noughties for two or three years. Uh, called Toy Stack, a great shop, and I had a great wrestling figure collection. I basically used to save up my money and go there every other week or so and buy a new wrestling figure. If I'd done my chores, if I'd done my pocket money, saved up, I could maybe every month or so get a new wrestling figure. Uh, very privileged, very lucky. Um, and uh, there was one I'd saved up for. I couldn't even remember what it was uh, one week, and I couldn't wait to get there. And I just remember the feeling of running through the Buchanan Gallery's entrance, running past all the different shops, finally getting up to where it is, and all of a sudden there's a flipping Build-A-Bear sitting there. Like, and I'd only been... <laughs> I'd only been there the month before, and I was my mammy dragged me roaring and greeting. No joke, no word of a lie, roaring and greeting from Buchanan Galleries because I didn't get my Mick Foley or my Matt Hardy action figure. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and so, like that was one of the more heartbreaking stories. And that Build a Bear Chris is still there to this day. I know. Sometimes it's a bear factory. Sometimes it's a Build a Bear. I don't even know, but it's there. You know the one I'm talking about near the Starbucks. Absolutely. That, you know? I've been in there. I've been in that exact shop a bunch of times. I have a, a sister who's a, a, obsessed with collecting bears and that sort of thing so we ended a bunch of times i didn't know it was a toy stack before that so there you go i didn't even know toy stack was a thing i've never seen another toy stack in my life but uh, yeah. there you go uh so that you know a lot of them like you asked me like my, my earliest memories i mean for me it goes back to my first ever wrestling figure did i ever tell you that story you may have done but it may have been 30 episodes ago so tell us again man like listen I have so much I could say here, so just you need to stop me if I'm boring you, or if you think I'm rambling on. Do that great thing that you do, Chris, where you can kind of like gently intervene. And uh, you know, if I bore me, but let's just let's just see where we go. <laughs> uh, right, so uh, Woolworths um, in St Andrews of all places. My family we used to go to St Andrews every September weekend when I was we up until I was about twenty one or something. My family was doing it. Um, and it was like a big kind of getaway. And I remember like at this point I would have been, I think it was nine. Okay. So this would have been maybe the year 2000. Um, so I'm just going to quickly intervene here one more time before you keep going. So you mentioned Woolworths, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the big W? Like it was a Woolworths, but it was called the big W? No. Okay, well, that was that was one of the biggest Woolworths that I knew anyway. It was called the Big W, right? And it shut down just the same as when Woolworths shut down. And yeah. I used to go in there all the time and get candy floss and candy apples and all that stuff, right? So then randomly, one time on Twitter, at Woolworth Scotland followed me on Twitter, <laughs> which is at CM42TV, by the way. Aye. And I, I, I sent out the tweet. This is on the 7th of March, 2018. I sent out a tweet to at Woolworth Scotland, and I went, thanks for following, but I thought you shut. Because I thought it was funny back in the day. Mm. And then Woolworths repeat replied to me and went, Can't keep the gods of pick and mix down, champ. This is this is Woolworths, right? 
And then I was like, ha ha ha, amazing. Or I used to come and get candy floss all the time and stuff. And then they replied to me again going, not all heroes wear capes, Chris. I'll ask Big Shug next time he's at the cash and carry to see if he can dig you up some candy floss. What? This is, this is Woo- at Woolworth Scotland, right? So then I, I quote tweeted it and I, and I tweeted, the Big W tweeted me with laughing faces. And then they quote tweeted that. And they went, you can imagine how excited we all were when Chris Moffat's name popped up on our Twitter. <laughs> it's like the running- same guy. It's the same guy that's running the WWE on BT Sport Twitter. <laughs> Must be. It's the only explanation. Woolworths <laughs> having banter with me on Twitter. Anyway, sorry. Just well, mentioned Woolworths, I remember that. Uh, aye, so... <laughs> so <laughs> what? Where was that? Aye, Woolworths. <laughs> aye, sorry. So um, you're about year 2000. Year 2000, so I'm about nine. And the reason I can pinpoint it is because of the attire on this figure that I ended up with. My, uh, my late granny... Uh, took me into Woolworths in St Andrews, which is of course long gone and has been gone for about twelve years, and said, uh, "I'll buy you one thing, if because you've been so good." And I don't know where all my other cousins and my brother was or anything. It was just me and my granny. She wanted me into Woolworths, and by this point, like Robert had my best pal, like he's still my best pal. Robert had uh, loads of wrestling figures, and a lot of my mates at school had loads of wrestling figures. They would bring them in like on a Friday when you could bring toys in and yeah. play with them over lunch. You know? me. Yeah. Um, and I had none, and I really wanted them. And I'm sure, like, because I like I, I was never deprived as a child, folks. Like I was, I was very lucky. I was always, you know, my family always was able to kind of like give me kind of luxuries. Like at Christmas, I would get presents and stuff. I was I'm very fortunate that way. So it's not as if like this isn't me doing the sob story. I just didn't happen to have any at that point, you know. Uh, uh, and my granny said, "Like I'll get you one thing." And I think in her mind, she thought she was going to get me like a coloring in book or something. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and I knew straight away what I was going to go for, and I just thought, "Oh my god, I hope I can get somebody really good." Because in my mind, like all the big names, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, they would be sold out. So I was, right. I was convinced I was going in there to get S.A. Rios or something like that. <laughs> Did he have a figure? I don't remember him having a figure. I don't think yes, he does. Did SC Reels have a figure? Hit us up on the uh, Instagram and the Twitter, please. Did he ever, did he ever have a pay per view match? Uh, yeah, he definitely had pay per view match at some point. I'm pretty sure, like in '99, 2000. Right. I don't know why. I maybe talking because he was in the light heavyweight division. They would often he get them a uh, match. So, anyway, I was convinced that I was going to get something on that kind of caliber. And I go in there, and they're sitting on the shelf. I can still see it. And, you know, someone with the knowledge would be able to tell me what, what series of figure this was. But it was Stone Cold Steve Austin in the, the kind of camo jacket and t shirt and jeans that he wore when he had the beer truck and he sprayed down the corporation, like that Lovely. exact attire. Uh, and I saw it there and I loved it because the jeans were bright blue and there was all these colours and it was Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was colourful and I just loved it. I fell in love with it and I begged my granny to get it for me and she did. And do you know, Chris, it's the only wrestling figure from my collection that I still have. Wow. It's first, that first one. Um, that's Stone Cold. And uh, I, that, that, that was what began my wrestling figure journey. Like, How did it, how did it start for you? Well, um, I might have told this one in my, my wrestling story back in like the first episode, which is by the way we're now on 30 episodes, have I mentioned that? Um, my cousin Graham was a massive wrestling fan, this is probably also in the year 2000, maybe 2001, and I remember it was a 
school or nursery night or whenever this was, so it must have been must have been 2001 then. It was a school night and I had to get up early in the morning and stuff, and I remember sitting, it was actually before we got this extension done in, in the house, so we got that done in 2003, so... Extension! <laughs> Sorry. This is now you've got the Glendon, this is the Chris Cave we're in here right now. <laughs> um, so before we get this done, so I was in 2003, so this must have been before then, and I remember sitting on my living room floor, Mm-hmm. And uh, Graham and my Annie Linda came up, and he just had like a gym bag, and it was like his whole wrestling figure collection. And he was just like, he reached that point where he was, I don't know what age he had reached at that point, but he was just like not playing with them anymore. He was still into it and stuff, but he just, um, he stopped playing with his figures. So in this gym bag was like maybe, I don't know, 40 ish, 40 ish wrestling figures, mm-hmm. plus the backstage arena and the Raw is War Warzone ring. Ah, in this gym bag and it's just dropped it on the thing and they were now mine and that was the first wrestling figures I ever got they was passed down to me from my family and that was that is when the obsession began and when I say it was an obsession you talk about going out and getting like new figures all the time I was exactly the same um, my money would go nowhere else from 2001 until 2009 all my money went towards was new figures new arenas yeah. Um, I remember for my birthday, or it may have been a holiday or something, I had like 30, or the, the equivalent of 30 quid in euros or whatever it was for a holiday. And I remember thinking the whole holiday when I was going to come back from the holiday, I'm going to change it back into money. Yeah. I'm going to go to Argos so I can buy the Smackdown set with like the fist coming out, the Tritontron and stuff. And I just remember like I was in my mum's room like telling her about the Smackdown set <laughs> and showing her pictures of it in the Argos catalogue and stuff. I must have been about seven or eight. Just like, mum, look at this, and then I can do this with it and stuff. And she's like, right. And she, I think she just shut me up. She took me to Argos, and I managed to get that with my sort of pocket money and stuff. And then, of course, we talked about Scotsman's Models, the wrestling shop that was yeah. in uh, the Trongate sort of area in Glasgow for the longest time. And I actually had a, a sign. I talked about this as well early on in the show, but they actually had a sign that used to come out the side of the shop. It said the WWF shop, just so, you know, if you were walking past the, the street or wherever you could look down, you could see all oh, this where yeah. the wrestling figures are. Whatever. It was next to a big A1 Comics, which is which always wasn't an A1 Comics. I don't know when they, that shop was moved there, but I always remember it being competition with Scotsman's models. But uh, we always used to go to the wrestling shop. And up until it closed in 2009 or 2010, the, the, the sign that said the WWF shop was still there. They never even bothered to change it to WWE. They never even put like one line... Oh, you didn't even get a ladder and climb up and draw with a sharpie on the sign, <laughs> a wee extra line in the F to make it an E. That was always the WWF shop. And we knew the owner and stuff because I was in so often. My auntie used to get in so much because of my cousin as well. And we should we knew the owner and he'd just talk to us and stuff and he'd put stuff aside for us and stuff. And over the years, I just amassed this collection of wrestling figures and it was ridiculous. It was almost a weekly basis, definitely a fortnightly basis, where I was spoiled rotten. Um... And of course, I would use my pocket money, but I had to be given the pocket money in the first place, you know. Um, birthdays, Christmases, all I asked for was wrestling figures, classic superstars, different attires, ruthless aggression, adrenaline two packs, all that stuff. Um, and then in, in like 2006, they came out with the, the deluxe editions and stuff like that. Oh my God, that's all I thought about for so long. And I had this massive like container box thing that also kind of worked as a footrest, but it was like a massive footrest, right? And it used to sit in like the corner of my room. Yeah, you could take the cushion bit at the top off and inside was like hollow it was just like a sort of big sort of storage unit you know and at one point like after I finished collecting wrestling figures it was like full of just stuff from 2001 onwards of old figures new figures duplicates you know broken ones the weapons you would get like parts of tables and parts of ladders and stuff 
it was it was crazy and i've I just i could think about the amount of money that my parents and myself have spent on wrestling figures over the years i'm sure i'm not the only one that can say that you know because i'm sure people had more you know more wrestling figures than i've ever had you know um but just the amount of money is just a crazy amount to think about and it kind of scares me a little bit but yeah that, that was that was my first indication that i'm going to love collecting wrestling figures and even till i was a bit older i would still collect them and keep them in the, in the packaging and stuff for collectors purposes yeah. um i still have a few especially ones that i've got autographed you know i've got like a kane one and a daniel bryan and i've got like um ted dibiase junior ruthless aggression which is the figure i got signed at my first ever wrestling signing which i've still not told that story for by the way Look for wrestler. It, um but yeah i've got i got loads and i still have loads of my loose ones up in the loft um but they're in they're in boxes and i'd need to go look them out but um and i, but I definitely know the warzone ring is still up in the loft i saw it recently and it's just never broke. Like, it's just, it's never... Those it's things were indestructible. It's not even as if it's, like, that well-produced. It's just string and plastic and stuff. But for some reason, they, they're indestructible. And I've got this wee cousin now that's just about to turn four, or it's just turned four, sorry, um, who hasn't really shown any signs of wrestling yet. He's kind of... He saw a couple of ones in my room and stuff and kind of wants to play with them. And uh, for my birthday, which just passed a couple of months ago, um, we, like, pretended that he was getting me a present and... Uh, they bought me Alistair Black. I kind of talked about this as well. They got me Alistair Black, the basic Mattel figure. That's right. So they wrapped it up and they said it was from Aaron, my wee cousin, because he was getting me a wrestler. So like the plan is now, I'm not really happy with this, but the plan is that we're going to like pass down the Warzone ring and stuff like Graham did for me mm. to my wee cousin. And I'm oh. not having that because I don't want to leave it out of my collection. I wanted to stay in my law forever. But still, that's the plan anyway. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny because um, I, I had one of those Warzone kind of monster rings as well. Uh, and I don't know if I told you this, but like um, after we first, it's appropriate where I'm telling you this because it's episode 30. Did you mention that? Mm-hmm. Um, after the um, we started this and we kind of talked about one day doing a wrestling figure episode, I was out walking about Scotston, which is where I used to live. Uh, which is part of Glasgow, if you didn't know, folks. Have you moved house, eh? I oh, that. yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I was out, out about with my dog, and uh, I was walking through this this kind of street, which is all, like, tenement flats, like where I used to live, and uh, there was a, what you'd see in that area quite a lot was people sort of, like, dumping stuff for the council to pick up on, like, collection days. Yeah. Um, and so... I was walking and I was looking in between two two build two flat buildings, like where there's this kind of bit of communal garden. And I just saw staring at me this monster ring, this WWF Warzone ring. Oh my god! Just sitting there, beautiful. You I nearly did, but then I thought, there's no way a dog hasn't pitched on that, you know. I don't know. Uh, and you know, if I take Luna up to there, then she's gonna want it. But it, it just kind of felt more like symbolic for me, like because we were starting out. But I kind of realised that I've told you an untruth, Chris. Oh. Okay. And that my wrestling figure journey didn't start in Woolworths in St Andrews. Um, it started in the after school club that I used to go to. Ah. My, my parents both worked full time, so like I would go into after school care for a couple of hours after school before they could come and collect me. Pardon me, that's the chippy coming back on me. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm a bit of paper. I'm going I'm, I'm thinking of things to say, and I know I'm going to forget it, so I'm going to note them down as you speak. Oh, I've I've got these written down, and I'm already forgetting stuff. Um, so I, uh. I uh sorry, I had a wee brain fart there. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> All right, so I, I told you this lie. Like uh, I went to this after school club and uh, it, a lot of the people who worked there, a lot of the people who c- provided the childcare, 
actually a lot of the stuff that we got to entertain ourselves with like footballs and toys and like even like a sega mega drive and a playstation one a lot of that stuff was just hand-me-down stuff from the people yeah. who worked there like their kids didn't need it anymore and one of the things that came was a big crate full of old hasbros like old school Whoa. hasbros like and chris you have never felt pain in your life until you've accidentally stooped on, oh. stood on a, a, a hawk or an animal, a Hasbro with the jaggy shoulder pads. Oh my god, agony! Because you couldn't. It was in a gym hall, so I was never allowed to wear my shoes. The amount of times I stood on those bloody like hawk and animal. Every time I did, I could just hear one of them going, "Oh, what a rush!" What a rush! Um, and man, they, and I told you like, and way back in episode two or whenever it was, we told the wrestling stories. Like, I got really obsessed with the Mountie. And his action figure. <laughs> what? I know. Because I, mean, I, I used to think it was Jim Ross. That's right. Yeah, you did tell me that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, that's actually my first exposure to wrestling figures. But then uh, the Steve Austin figure wasn't long after that, I have to say. Um, um, did you ever have... This is an obvious question, because of course you did. But please tell me about it. Did you ever have your own wrestling figuration? Yeah, I had, I did. I, I didn't like give it my own name, so it wasn't like Glenn's Wrestling Federation. It was the WWF, right. but it was my WWF. And one of the things that I think I made clear, like when we first started doing this, and we talked about why we like wrestling, was like wrestling for me has always been storytelling. And I made this point again when we talked about video games and how I would just like take the exhibition mode in video games and make my own stories and I would book my own matches and I was doing this well into my 20s this wasn't just a childhood or a teenage thing like and I'm not embarrassed to say that because I, I I'm a creative person and I I love stories I'm an English teacher so I love telling stories and I love getting kids involved and engaged with stories with varying degrees of success but I try my best as a teacher yeah. and wrestling figures was my kind of first like Commit, committed way of doing that I suppose and you think back to when I spoke about how much I believed in wrestling journalism for being accessible for kids but I think if you give kids something like a toys which mean that you need some sort of commitment to a narrative with your imagination I think that's really good for a kid's brain for, for creativity do you know what I mean because yeah. you've got boundaries you've got parameters and you have to make it work within those creative boundaries um, but you can also do anything because it's, it's your toys it's your figure fed and and what I loved about it was like trying to be innovative with it and tell my own stories. And because I loved uh, Scotty Tohoi, then he could be the best wrestler in the world, you know, and uh, the world champion. absolutely. And he was. And uh, but I also had to do a few workarounds. So let me explain. Like I very quickly ended up with two Stone Cold Steve Austin's. I had my original Steve Austin from Woolworths, which was my Steve Austin. But then when I was gifted a two pack of Steve Austin and the big show with the, his long hair, I'll St. Valentine's Day Massacre 1998, right? Um, I had a dilemma. Do I just rotate those two Steve Austins, one in his ring gear, one in his backstage gear? Or do I create his twin brother, Mike Austin? Oh, yes. And maybe tell and, me that story. And Mike Austin was a, honestly a bigger star in my head. <laughs> he was more over. He was, and uh, he was kind of became like like the Hulk Hogan of my figure fed. And here's the thing, Chris. See, when my wrestling figures got a wee bit loose in the joints, that's when they would retire, or if they broke, that's when they would have an injury. And one of two things would happen: like my Kurt Angle lost its leg once because Undertaker gave my last ride off my sofa, and his leg right. came off. 
And so Kurt Angle was injured until I got another Kurt Angle finger a few years later. And then it was the storyline was Kurt Angle's big return from his injury. And he went straight for the Undertaker. You know he did. Like um, (laughs) there for revenge. (laughs) And so you know the the way the the kind of old Titantron ones, like they could get a wee bit loose and you think, Oh, this arm's not got long legs. That's when they would that's when they would go out of an injury. Because like until until I could replace that figure. Or maybe I never did, and they would just become like a commissioner. And I would totally (laughs) play into that. Uh, I also had like a say, like I had a Triple H, right, which was like a 99 sort of DX Triple H with the tights, like in his WrestleMania 15 sort of gear. Um, And then I got, uh, around the time Triple H came back from his quad injury in 02, I got a better looking Triple H, which was more realistic with the beard and stuff. So my original Triple H became FT, who which stood for fake (laughs) Triple H. (laughs) And he was kind of like my, in all but name, he was a Shawn Michaels sub. Right, he right. was basically he he F- did the super he did the super kick. He had Shawn Michaels music. He did all of that stuff, right? <laughs> and he was known as one of the best wrestlers. And he too had a devastating back injury. My Perry Saturn figure was my substitute Randy Orton because he kind oh. of moved like Randy. You know, so I do all this stuff. Shane McMahon lost the hand because my and I was doing a match between Shane McMahon and the Big Show. It was a, a, a violent hardcore sort of match, and Big Show got a ladder. And put Shane's hand in, oh, no. in the ladder and uh, slammed it down, and his hand came off. But Chris, even though I applied Halloween news agent shop fake blood, that was all. Oh. Just, that was all. Oh was my all, god! That was all kayfabe because see what actually happened behind the scenes, Chris. And this is all. This was only known in the office, right? Uh, was that <laughs> my brother pulled off Shane McMahon's ha- pulls Shane McMahon's hand off in a car back on the way back from Hamilton? Uh, so that's what actually happened. But then I thought fudge i need to write this into the storyline I'm, I'm i'm eight or nine at this point or maybe 10 or 11 uh so i thought right i'll just kind of hold the hand nearby and it's like working through an injury and i'll write it into my storyline and that's how and shane will lose his hand and then he can take some time off and that's that, that take some time off so i can feel up shane so i could super glue his hand back on which i did that Shane McMahon also lost its leg, which my brother reattached with a, a spring from a pencil, like a paper mate pencil. So he was war torn, oh, man. Man, I did that so much with so many of my wrestlers. I mean, I don't know if that's how much realism you got into. I say realism. Oh, you, know. you said so much there that I want to comment on. So you mentioned that Triple H became FT, your own yeah. uh, your own character. I had a Matt Hardy that was just very vague. That was was shirtless, but had like the kind of Hardy Boys trousers on. Yeah. And I used to watch, I'm going to get into this in a second, but there used to be a, a YouTube channel called WWE Tom. And he was the original reason why I started YouTube. Because then I wanted to start filming my own wrestling figuration and put it on YouTube mm. and do my own shows on it like he did. He had one called the EFW, the Extreme Figuration of Wrestling. Ooh. And it was uh, WWE Tom. And he had a Matt Hardy that he didn't use. And his character was called Suicidal Tendencies. And he was the most over guy. He never lost. His finisher was like a Canadian destroyer. He, or a leg drop off the top rope because that's the way the Hardys figures. They always had like thicker legs because of his mad trousers. Mm-hmm. So then I had this Matt Hardy. So then Suicidal Tendencies became a character on my show as well. And it became an invasion from some guy that I had never met that I watched <laughs> on YouTube. But he was so ahead of his time, man. He he was doing like video editing and, and montages and music videos with the wrestling figures. He had his own stage and stuff and his own characters. He was brilliant. Um, he really kind of inspired me to do stuff. Um, you mentioned that Scotty Tuhotti was your main man and or one of the main men that was so yeah. over. Who was my top guy? Maven. Um, 
he was so over. Oh my god, he was so over. The fans loved him, and uh, he was so hot for a point where uh, he actually lost to who did he lose to? He was undefeated for a bit, and then he lost to a big guy, maybe in JBL or something, or maybe even Big Show. Someone he just could not beat with that beautiful drop kick of his. Mm. Um, so that was that was another one, and Billy Kidman was another one because he had had that WCW figure that came out that I was just in love with. That had like the the kind of like white tank top and the kind of um, jorts on. Yeah, I just I just loved the idea of the figure, so he became a main eventer. I remember buying my mate a, a birthday present one year, and I bought him Hardcore Holly, um, which is a random like Ring Rage Series Seven Hardcore Holly. And I don't know why I bought him Hardcore Holly. <laughs> That's so funny because I got Robert a Crash Holly one year for his birthday. <laughs> so, so my mate, who I've not spoke to in years, his name is Kieran. He was so over the moon with this Hardcore Holly. Like, I don't know if he just like didn't know as much about wrestling as I did. Like, I always knew that Hardcore Holly was a consistently good performer, but just a wee bit crap. Um, I, I don't know if this guy knew as much about Hardcore Holly as I did. So I still don't know to this day why I bought him Hardcore Holly. Maybe I bought him it out of spite because I knew I would never buy Hardcore Holly. <laughs> I don't know. But he was so over the moon with, with Bob Holly. He, like, made Hardcore Holly his world champion. And I remember being so angry at him. I was like, Hardcore Holly could never win the world title. It's Hardcore Holly. And that's just me, like, in primary four shouting him in the playground. Going, you need to make, like, Stone Cold Undertaker world champion. Not Hardcore Holly. And Kieran was like, but use your imagination. He's like, use it. And then that, like, pure set off a trigger in my mind. Oh, man. And I was like... You're right. Like I should be using this. then. Then like Maven and and Billy Kidman became a world champion from that. I then just point imagine onwards. this being like Vince and Ted Turner shouting in the playground. <laughs> well, you know what, Vince? We're not in the same wrestling business. <laughs> I'm in the entertainment business, Kieran. Um, <laughs> also, you were talking about you went to the Halloween shop and you got fake blood, right? Yeah. That was for backyard wrestling, for the wrestling figures. So I would literally go to the Halloween shop and buy fake blood for, for doing moves in the garden. But for the wrestling figures, I would just have a red felt tip pen because <laughs> I don't. I think it was the Crayola ones. They just washed off like that. Yeah. Um. And and I I, I would have a handy and I was just <laughs> I would take a moment where someone would get hit in the head by a chair and I just lift him out of the ring and like color him in and just put like red all over his face yeah. and I'd be like, oh my god, Triple H is bleeding out of his head. He's yeah. wearing a crimson mask and stuff. Oh my god. You would, but I would so do it discreetly. I would make sure one of my other wrestlers was like posed in the corner so that's what the fans would be looking at and blade discreetly. <laughs> and you know the way Triple H, when he would blade, like in real life, he would have like the, the blood would all gone down to his chest and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you do all that. He would, yeah. he would do that for Triple H, but only for Triple H because it would never happen to anybody else. I tell you what, man, like I remember as well, if I ever got like a new figure, like of a character I didn't have before, so I remember like the first time I got a Hogan, I did this. Like, I wouldn't open him up and play with him straight away because I was thinking I'm gonna wait till I get to my Rumble and there'll be a surprise entrant. Oh my god! I never that. I would never. I wouldn't even open him up, or if I did, I would keep him aside from all the other wrestlers so I could do the big moment. That's next level for literally me and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> but that's. But like, it was just this world that I escaped into. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, we talk about mental health. I mean, I think, I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Like, it was just this escapism, this sheer world where you have your own control. You can decide who does what. You're the god of this world. You're you're the Vince McMahon. Like, uh, you you can decide who wins, who loses, and who prevails. And like, uh, man, I took it so seriously, but uh, yeah. to to no one else's benefit but my own. You know, I, I felt the same about like backyard wrestling and trampoline wrestling. Like, I remember, like, because that was that was wrestling figures was my primary school life, mm-hmm. and backyard wrestling was my high school life. And both primary school and high school faced different challenges for you. And of course, looking back now, you think primary school, what was that? You know what I mean? Like uh, how much you got away with and stuff like that. You know, when you look at comparisons towards high school, it was so much more chill. 
in primary school. But still, when you're seven, you know, primary school is everything. You know, it's your life. Of course it is. Like, everything becomes too stressful for you. So I would totally detach and just lose my imagination mm-hmm. um, in, the, in these wrestling figures. And then when it, when it was high school, I'd come back from, like, a long day at school, and I would, like, the first thing I'd do, man, it's sometimes I'd even, like, pretend I was sick to go home, and the first thing I'd do is go out my trampoline. And it's just so funny how, like, you could get lost in that situation. It's so funny how wrestling, of all things, like, really just takes your mind off of everything. And I just remember being totally lost in the in wrestling figures and on your trampoline. Um, but we'll talk about backyard wrestling another time. But yeah, um, another funny story that I've got for the for the wrestling figure stuff. I remember being in Argos the very day that the deluxe aggression figures were coming out, right? And I, I had read all about them in WWE Magazine and Power Slam, but mainly WWE Magazine. And I was thinking these are going to be like these are different. They have like a sort of bend in the tummy, and like what's this going to be? Because I was so used to like the ruthless aggression Jacks ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a new deluxe thing, and there was a new series. And it was like series, but I think in the first series was Batista, John Cena, The Big Show, and Triple H, right? I think that was the four. There might have been more, but that was the four I remember. So I went with my mate Jamie, who I've literally not spoken to in a good, I'm going to say 14 years, 13 years, something like that, right? And I actually saw him once at a house party like in, a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, and we hardly spoke. But anyway, he was one of my closest friends at the time, and we used to play, play wrestling figures together all the time. And I remember we went to Argos together, knowing we had saved up our pocket money, knowing we were going to get two deluxe figures each because um, it was the day they were being released in Argos. So you know the way Argos works so you go over and you kind of put the code in and then your number's called and you can go up and you can choose what you want. It's not like a shop where you go in and pick something off the shelf. It's just like whatever one you get. It was like a, a bit, relied on luck a lot, you know? Yeah. I remember trying to get a lightsaber one time and they brought out like a red one, a, bl- a blue one and a purple one and I stood there for a good 30 minutes trying to decide if I wanted to be Anakin or Mace Windu, you know? Ah, and, and it took me ages. And of course, I went with the blue one because, of course, of course, I would. Um, but if it, so it was the same with the wrestling figures. So if you wanted to get like a like a ruthless aggression figure or an adrenaline two pack or something, they would come. You know, three or four would come out, and because that was the ones they had in stock, and you had to pick which one you wanted. You know, they were all the same price. And you just had to pick which one you wanted. So for the deluxe one, I remember they had all the first series in. Yeah. So me and Jamie are standing at the till. And the, the worker comes over, the employee comes over, and they have like a, a, a Batista, a Cena, a Triple H, and a Big Show, and they put all four of them on the thing, and we were just to pick, obviously, two each to take. And like, I don't think I'm a selfish person at all. I always like to think I put other people first, right? That's just a thing. I, I guess it's, I, I might be wrong there. Yeah, people could be listening to this who are my friends that think I'm totally selfish, and that's fine. But I always like to think, nowadays especially, I like to be quite selfless. But on this day, I see clearly. Actually, I just thought of it as well. You hear that pause? Um, in Argos in 2006, or whenever the deluxe aggression figures came out, I was the most selfish person ever. I, I, I must have pushed Jamie out of the way. Like, I physically moved him and ran over to the desk so I could grab the Cena and Batista figures. Because yeah. they were the main ones and these are the ones I wanted. It wasn't as if we, oh, she's got all four and then we'll pick later or we'll share them. I was like, Cena and Batista are mine. Yeah. And I took them and, and Jamie was <laughs> He was like holding Big Show and Triple H, and I remember him being so disappointed because, like, his favorite wrestler was like John Cena, and I was like, "Oh yes, you happy with those ones? Yeah, happy with the Big Show? Happy with the Big Show? Yeah, happy with the Big Show?" And he was just like, "Yeah, I guess." And I remember him being so disappointed, and like he brought it up later on, and we kind of stopped speaking for a bit. Like he was like, "You didn't even, you didn't even give me the option, man. Like that, that was that's really bad of you." Like, and I remember yeah. like feeling so bad. Like I was like, "Sorry, but I still didn't give him the figures because Batista and Cena belong to me." Yep, they do. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, man, I uh, I'm just I'm looking over my notes now just to see like 
what else I've got. Like, where I've got on my phone. Uh, here we go. So I've talked about fake Triple H. Uh, oh, I've talked about injuries and stuff. Um, here, did you see the ad recently for the new like Elite Collection? It's really good. It was like they, there was an ad for an NXT Takeover for Thirty One where they like the figures are animated. Yes, I saw that. I mean, what? How far have we come? You know, I mean, I mean, just you know, that just, it tells you what you need to know about like WWE know their market, the fact that they'll market like, their kind of basics and stuff to kids, and but they also know what the collector market is like as well. Yeah, um, that's important. Absolutely. Uh, but I tell you this, man. Like, there's lots of stories. I'm like, kind of, I'm conscious of time, and we may have to do a part two at some point in the line. But um, I'll tell you this. I mentioned that. I uh, I still have my, my Steve Austin from Woolworths. But there was a whole rucksack full of my collection, like years and years of memories and uh, stories, ups and downs, blood, sweat and tears, all fake, of course. Well, sometimes real tears, you know, because I would yeah. wrap myself when up. You, when, you kinda, when you kind of like uh, get your finger caught in one of the wee sort of joints of the wrestling figure, oh, that, was that was the worst. Or you step on and do an LOD action figure. Yeah. Um, but there got to a point where, like, you know, I was in my mid twenties, and I, you know, I wasn't obviously I wasn't playing playing with them at that point, but I still loved them, and I, I, to this day, I still love wrestling figures. And to this day, if I had all the money and all the space in the world, I'd be buying these new AEW figures, and I would be getting the ones that I really like, you know. Um, but I just, I get, I'm not, I'm not a very, I'm a very sentimental person, but I'm not a very materialistic person. Right. So, like, I'll I'll hold the memories dearly, but I don't need the thing necessarily. Uh, and and the older I get, the less materialistic I get. I think I think it's kind of just a coming of age and being being an adult kind right. of thing, I guess. Um, but I kind of knew that it was maybe time to say cheerio to them. And uh, my my good friend Jamie, uh, he's got a lot of family, and uh, at the time he had he had nephews. He still does, but they were obviously this is about a decade ago, so they'll be much younger now. Uh, they're much older now rather than what they were then. Uh, but they were just the right age to just have any old toy and chuck it about and play with it and, you know, have a good time with it and make their own memories. And I just kind of thought, well, that's the logical place for these toys to go. Because I, I knew, I think, if I'm memory service, I'm pretty sure his wee nephews were getting into wrestling. Like, they were just the right age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I didn't even see the kids take them, but I went round to his flat one day and I had my old rucksack of figures and I, I dropped them off. Uh and I wouldn't. I'd be lying, Chris, if I didn't. If I if I, I told you that I didn't have a Toy Story three moment, you know, oh. I where I left them there and I just looked at the bag. It was open a wee bit. And I just looked at oh. my friends, my childhood, my memories, all these stories from like FT's return after injury, Shane McMahon coming back from <laughs> the, the severed hand, you know, Kurt Angle's return after The Undertaker made him lose his leg, Jeff Hardy coming back from the Swanton bomb down the stairs, you know, yeah. um, like all those memories. I, and it was a true goodbye partner. It was one of those moments. And I don't even like to dwell on what happened to those figures, you know, because those they might have all been shattered to pieces, or they might have been given away to other other kids by now. They might be yeah. in a bin. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't, I, but it doesn't matter because uh, I've had the memories, uh, and it's just like it's just something that I smile about now when I think about. Uh, but I guess it's funny. This happens a lot in this show. Like we'll talk about stuff, and I'll only realize the significance it had as we do it. 
as we talk about it and i feel yeah. like i realized how important this was for me growing up and becoming somebody who loves stories like that was as big a part of it as anything else was was creating my own ones with that figure fed <laughs> oh man, I was getting emotional. Oh, the memories of the wrestling figures. Leave the memories alone. Oh god, I, I totally man. I, I don't know how. I will be able to cope. You know, I was talking about passing down these things. I've not yeah. looked at these figures in years properly, right? And I just know before I give them away to my wee cousin, I'm going to take them out of the loft and I've got these boxes. I'm going to look through them and I'm going to like refuse because I'm so connected to these things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. Um, we talked about like having your own promotions and stuff. So you had like Glenn's WWF. I went up, I ended up having lots of different promotions because some of them couldn't contain their TV deals. Yeah, so a lot of them went, a lot of them went bankrupt. Um, so of course the first one that went bankrupt was WCW, um, but that was the best promotion I ever had. Um, it was it was a great roster and um, superb commentary. Um, did you ever do that? Did you ever set up like a table outside and have like the wrestlers that you had in street clothes as your commentators? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I had like a ring. I had JR and King, like the second. I think they came with like a WrestleMania 18 ring or something one time. So I had like those two as the commentators. I had like a a Paul Heyman in a suit and he was the GM. Mm. Um, Of course, there was the LWA, which was the Legends Wrestling Association. That was a brand just for legends. Mm -hmm. Uh, WFF, the Wrestling Figure Federation. And of course, there was CWA with wrestling figures, Chris's Wrestling Association, which was um, the one that went on for him. And that's the one that Maven was on top for. Uh, and I told, told you this before, right early on in the show, that what I would do sometimes if I was really going all out is I'd set up the, the stuff, I'd set up the ring and the wrestling, like the rosters behind me and stuff like that. And I would get old VHS tapes and I'd make them the barricades mm-hmm. and I'd set them up and I'd do a whole thing all the way around. It would take up the whole carpet in the room. <laughs> And they would be like, man, I'd put fans behind the barricades and stuff like that. And it became a real thing. And then, like, once I'd set it all up and stuff, then it was time to go to bed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, I had to take it all away. Um, and sometimes I'd love to, like, le- set it up and then, like, leave it there for the morning. Yeah. And then I'd come down from school in the morning and be like, oh, yeah, when I come home from school, it's going to go down, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, it was so cool. Did you ever have the WrestleMania? I, I doubt you would because you're probably a wee bit older than me. But um, did you ever have the WrestleMania 2 ring that came out in, like, 2007? You know, de- definitely not i had uh, the monster ring and then i had two smaller rings when my parents uh split up they had like obviously separate houses at that point, or yeah homes uh so i had uh two smaller rings and I actually divided my figure fed into two yeah, into my, own, my own brand extension yeah, yeah. i went to b&q i went to b&q one time and i bought a, a blue box and a red box yeah and it was like that was run smacking but i'd done it at that point in time i was doing it like legit like who was on raw in real life and who was in smackdown in real life yeah yeah um, then i kind of was a bit more creative but the wrestlemania 2 ring came out and it was this it wasn't obviously not to scale i don't have like a 20 by 20 ring but it was called the scale ring and it was just massive because the the war zone ring was like it was a good size but it wasn't like huge it was good enough for the figures and stuff mm-hmm. but this wrestlemania 2 ring it came with like the blue cage yeah i that was probably like my favorite purchase i've ever made for wrestling figure related you know yeah um I remember my dad being at work one night when it arrived or whatever we had to pick it up and I was devastated because he wouldn't, I couldn't build it up for me. I, I didn't know how to build it, you know. I had to get my dad to do it for me. 
Yeah. Um, but then I was out playing on my bike with my mate Mark, and I told him about it. And Mark was the guy that had all the WCW figures, and he was like, "I'll come build it for you." So Mark came into my house and he built the ring for me. And he was only like, I don't know, he's only six years older than me, five mm-hmm. years older than me. But he was older than me, so he was always like the grown-up kid, you know. So he he managed to build the ring for me, and we had like our first match together in the scale ring with WrestleMania 2. So I have like that memory, and that, and that ring was just like, oh my God, I played with it every day, man. Right. Every day. And I kind of did that with like the different shows, like sort of the, the Raw ring was the one show, and then the WrestleMania 2 ring was the other show, you know. Um, actually, to like separate like that is actually quite psychotic. Thinking about it now, how devoted we were to it, but it's yeah. some of the best memories in a wrestling fandom, is it not? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, and like, I've just kind of been smiling ear to ear as we speak about this. I, I'm kind of I feel bad that I'm I'm looking at the time and I feel like we need to wrap up, but yeah, I feel like we need to. This is something we should come back to at some point for sure. Maybe at WrestleMania uh, Wrestling Connection sixty, I should say. Something like that, yeah, we could. Um, we could maybe I don't know. There's just I feel like there's going to be more stories that I'm going to think of. Yeah, same. You know, that I'm going to forget about just now. But um, just a shout out again to our pal Scott on Instagram, SM Classic Collects. He uh, posts this collection every day, and it is just an amazing collection. Not just because it's not the the fact that he's got so much, right? You can look on YouTube and you can see these ridiculous collections. Mm-hmm. But what Scott does is he posts like a lot of nostalgia based figures, um, and there's so and he posts like the pictures of the back of the boxes. Yeah, and I remember like looking at the back of the boxes and every toy shop I went into. And I'm going to say this right now, and I don't care who you are, right? You should be doing this if you're wrestling figure or if you're not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, every single time I go into a shop that might have wrestling figures, I go to the section still to this day. Yeah, like I'm, I have to, I have to look and see what they've got. Like every yeah. time I'm in Smiths, like I, I said a couple weeks ago that I bought those AEW figures. Like there was something just so special about walking into a toy shop all these years later, and buying wrestling figures. Mm-hmm. You know, and I still, I mean, how many times I've been at the Smiths the past 10 years that it's been there, and I've not bought something, but I've went and had to look anyway. You know, same with A1 and Brayhead, or same with Asda, or, or the Entertainer in Buchanan Galleries, or things like that, you know. Anytime I'm passing. Same, I mean, even with DVDs, like a lot, if I'm in like a movie shop, like FOP or something like that, I'll always go to the wrestling section. It's just part of my nature i can't yeah. i can't not go and see what they've got you know and I always look and see all oh, these are cool ones and i would like i pick ones up and i'm thinking like i would flip if this came out when i was younger you know mm-hmm. i would be like a number one purchase for me so yeah this has been such a fun episode Um, i feel like i just lost track of time a little bit because we're just ranting and raving and going so fast um talking about these just funny nostalgic stories so thank you for sharing your ones with me there's definitely, oh certainly some of my favorite you know memories as wrestling fans you know Absolutely, man. Uh, I look forward to talking about this again soon. 30 episodes. Oof. 30 episodes, man. 30 episodes. Who would have thought if we were playing with those wrestling figures back in the day that we'd be sitting here talking about them in episode 30 mm-hmm. of the Wrestling Connection podcast. So thank you to anybody who has listened to this one all the past 30 episodes. It means more to us than you will know. And uh, please let us know what you thought on social media. Twitter at WrestleConnect1, Instagram at WrestleConnection, and on YouTube just by searching the Wrestling Connection Podcast will tune in next Sunday for another brand new episode, my dear, dear friends. So until then, we'll catch you all down the road.